Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today I'm chatting with Miami-based singer-songwriter Judah Holiday. How are you today, Judah? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me. So I hope you don't mind me poking my head in maybe where it doesn't belong. But I was wondering if Judah Holiday is your real name. Of course not. Nice. Not my. It is not my real. It is not my. It's not my legal name, but right. it is my real artist name, um, and it is my middle name, Judah. Judah is uh. my middle name. Um, holiday is the, um, is what I like to refer to as the process that I'm going through. Cause like this really doesn't feel like work for me. Um, I know it sounds cheesy, but that's what stage names are for, right? <laughs> yeah. But no, but, but my middle name is Judah and I, that's where I got that from. And, you know, like, um, I know they, like people in, 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 in England refer to, vacation is holidays so i thought it was cool to kind of use that word to represent my take on what this process is uh for me yeah and i think it is important to have a memorable stage name or artist name that resonates with people so i can totally appreciate that now tell us the story behind your single good life you've gone on record to say that you didn't do well as a student and grew up thinking you needed to be medicated so what was that like so growing up, I, um, was always, um, having issues focusing in class and I would always be taken out of the class to, um, to, uh, like what they called the resource room to, to be taught one-on-one. -on -one. And I didn't necessarily think that I needed medication. I would say that the doctors initially thought that, um, mm. you know, when I was a kid, um, and they and they put me on um, some variation of what is popularly known now as Adderall, which is also an amphetamine or a stimulant. Um, but back when I was a kid, it was it was probably something like Ritalin or Dexedrine, something like that. And you know, it was it was hard being pulled out of class every day. Everyone knew that it was. You know, oh, okay, Judah's got to go out now and 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 learn one on one because he can't, whatever. So I think it, I think it um, created some sort of like social discomfort for me. But because of my bubbly personality, which I'm proud of today, um, I was able to kind of offset the awkwardness of like clearly there's a problem. Why is he being taken out of the classroom every single day? But I was able to like offset it with just being like the the class clown or just being very blunt and stuff like that. So that's really the majority of my academic background. But good life is is about what came after that, which is really a dependence on that medication that really brought me down in the end. It was all um, it all ended up being. Um, really bad for me and I didn't know any better. So I just kept taking it because that's what the doctors initially said. 
Um, and that's what I was grown up to believe that I needed an aid in order to really perform at my peak. Um, and, and I, I, I went into rehab for, for Adderall abuse and, um, I wrote many parts of good life, uh, in rehab and it was, and it's, and it's about envisioning, you know, uh, what life could be like if I, you know, took a stab at not relying on precisely what the doctor said for the rest of my life. You know, I so relate to that because I was an unfocused student myself. That was also a really big run-on sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Our transcriptionist will know where to put the periods and the commas. <laughs> and if she doesn't, I'll sort that out. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was never medicated myself, which I kind of consider fortunate. Um, but yeah, in class, most of the time you would find me drawing doodling, making mazes, uh -huh. uh, conceptualizing video games, making my own Japanese graphic novels. Like that's the kind of thing that stimulated my imagination and creativity. And I cared way more about that than whatever I was learning in class. So I don't think it's like a horrible student, but not a great student at all. Ironically, you know, A students end up working for B and C students. So <laughs> what a world. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah. So I really, I, I love that part of your story. The song Good Life talks about the facility that I was in, in Florida. And it talks about, you know, sort of like what the dream would be like if I actually got through those 30 days, which were awful. And, 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 and like now as, as I'm clean, um, life is like really great. You know, everything, mm. you know, it's just like to a total 180 just everything is different now that I don't take that medicine. Yeah. Um, just like my personality and my ability to s speak and, and make sense when I speak and God, like that run on sentence. Like I used to say run on paragraphs. <laughs> so yeah. like, but it's, it's different. And, and it's funny because I didn't realize I didn't realize how much I relate to so many people because of this. And, and I was asked if I was okay with sort of like making this part of my story. And I was like, this mm. is my story. There's mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't have to make anything up. It's great. It's like everything that I talk about is 100% true and accurate. And like, that's, what's awesome about being able to be, you know, pursuing my music dreams while being a recovering addict and stuff like that. Like, I just don't have to pretend like, unfortunately, everything that I say really happened and all the stories and, and the visuals associated with, you know, the good life music video. I mean, to an extent happened. I wasn't ever in a straight jacket. That was a little bit of a, mm. um, you know, joke on, 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 the place I was in, but, but still like I, it's very cool not needing to like have to remember anything aside from like what happened. So. Yeah. I appreciate your boldness in that. And the other thing that I wanted to say just by comment was I'm a writer first and foremost, I'm also a musician, but in our profession, it is actually very common for writers to use Adderall just to keep their focus. I think I first heard this on Joe Rogan, and I was kind of taken aback, and I was surprised by that. 
I won't say that I I don't abuse some substances like caffeine from time to time, <laughs> but right. I, I haven't gotten to that point of, of you know relying on drugs to to spur my creativity. So yeah, I mean I um I wrote a lot when I was on Adderall, and it was a huge fear that I wasn't going to be able to write off of it, but mm. according to my label and management and stuff like that. Like they say that the stuff I'm writing now is, is superior. So awesome. isn't that a fun fact? So, and I think we all experience some low moments in life. I've been going through some things lately and I've shared a little bit about that on the podcast, but what is it that keeps you going when you feel like you've hit bottom? I speak a lot about hating to be alone. And mm-hmm. like, I, I have a very supportive wife and family and Mm. you know the fear of losing them is present because addiction is just is although it's not my fault technically it's also not theirs and and i don't and i commend my wife for like Mm -hmm. for for staying by my side because it's so hard um and and i just feel like thank god i'm young enough to be able to give her many, many, many amazing years ahead. And I just, I don't, I'm, I'm sort of like, I've spent so much time being like the focal point of disaster, like Mm -hmm. that. I just, I'm just not willing to go back to that place anymore. And, and for me, the experiences that I've had, the repercussions of my actions are very, very clearly tattooed in my mind and on my body as reminders of like to not do certain things. And, um, I would, I would say like the fear of, of losing the most important people to me are, are what keeps me strongest because, because they are strong enough to leave Mm. if they needed to. And I know that, and, and that scares the crap out of me. So Mm. I can hear your heart in that. And I love that. That's great. Another thing we have in common is that we both wrote our first song at 14. Our careers obviously really? followed. Oh, yeah. Our That's car- so cool. Our careers obviously followed different trajectories, and you had some musical experiences beforehand where, you know, I only had music classes in school. But what was it that inspired you to put pen to paper at, at that point? Unfortunately, 9-11. Ah. I, I was in, you know, I grew up in New York City, and... I remember that I was playing guitar for a while. Um, and then I was, I was like writing poems that were just horrible, horrible poems. But then the, on September 11th at night, I wrote, um, I just like, I don't know how it happened. It was weird. Like I understood what, like it just something weird happened and like I was able to just sort of like hum and strum and then like I was like oh that's cool I didn't know I could do that or whatever and it and I guess when you're young like that and sort of get um traumatized being like in a situation like that where there's so many like unknowns going on it, it could it could kind of sp- sp- spark creativity i guess um i never understood it but it always like if i'm upset like i could write you know if i'm 
happy, I could write. And if I'm scared, I could write also. So I don't know why it happened then, but that was the most significant um, thing that had happened to me up until that point, just being in the city when that happened. Although, well, actually I was in, I was across the river in New Jersey when it happened, but Hmm. you know, my family was there. It was just like being like, you know, a couple miles away. So, so that's what, that's what kicked it off. And then I continued writing for, I mean, ever since then, but, um, you know, it was just, uh, that's, that's sort of like what started it. And then I, I took it from there and, and I was bad, like it was not good at all. And, and luckily I didn't care <laughs> because, <laughs> because my parents, um, like they all, they also, they never looked at my songwriting. Like they were never afraid that I'm going to just like quit everything and pursue music just because like they're not like that they were just like okay great he's writing songs and you know my mom would travel with me on the weekends to to gigs with my dad um during the week when my dad would be working she would run my cd up to like the different labels in manhattan just like totally thinking that that's how things will work and paying off parking attendance for like the radio stations. And obviously they never gave them the CD. They just took the money, but it's all like this, that all these memories of trying these different crazy things that we thought at the time would work and they didn't, but they, but they helped me realize that this is the only thing I would do those crazy things for. And I knew that then at like a young age, that this was something that I think for a long time I'd be doing. I can relate to that a lot too, because one of the misguided things my band did in the early days was we put together a bunch of letters and sent them all out to churches. We had something like 150 letters addressed to churches in Canada to see if we could book some shows there. And then we had an an additional 1500 for the States. One thing we failed to see early on was how much it would cost to send all these U.S. letters, and we ended up not oh my sending God. them at all. Crazy. That's yeah. so funny. It's funny. Uh, I mean, 9-11 is certainly an emotional topic, and I could poke around there if I wanted to make this clickbait, but we won't go there. Right. Um, <laughs> my first song, just for reference, in case anybody's curious, it was in Japanese, because I grew up in Japan eight and a half years. And wow. I had a melody and had some lyrics and I probably couldn't find it for the life of me. Even if I tried now, I'm sure that notebook has been lost in the annals of time, annals of time as it were. So it is what it is, but I could count to 10 in Japanese. Oh, there you go. Yep. That's a skill. Do you know, are you able to? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you want to see like, if I'm right. Sure. Go ahead. This is from like, I used to take karate in a Japanese Karate spot. Okay, ready? Yep. Itch, ni, san, chi, go, rok, sich, hach, kuju, maybe? You got it. Yeah. Right? Just, just the pronunciation, sort of. but it's pretty good. Ichi, ni, san, shi, go, roku, shi, hachi, kuju. Right. Okay, that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Pretty you got good, like man. a great accent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I went to Japan, uh, what, November 2017? That's when I went last went on my vacation. 
And people were so complimentary. They actually they were actually like, oh, I feel like I'm speaking to a native. And I was like, wow. oh, that's cool. I mean, I was very deliberate this time. I went back in 2003 as well, but I was very deliberate this time about like practicing, watching a bunch of Japanese TV and just making sure that like I was able to converse normally. And then also、wow. just looking up. Uh, specific terms because you know, in adult life, you get into careers and stuff like that, and there's so much jargon that, like, I never learned as a kid. So, like, I have to go back and figure out how to say, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur, or you know, I do online marketing. Like, even the simplest things, I was like, How do you, how do you tell people that in, in Japanese? So, I had to go back and study a bit, right? Well, that's cool, yeah. Something else we have in common is that we seem to turn difficult life situations into like catchy, uplifting songs. That's more of an observation than anything, not really a question, but something I noticed listening to your music. I try, you know, like my style of music,、um, I, I haven't really been able to identify the precise genre, but I think it is within, you know, pop and, you know, I don't know, maybe at, at times alternative.、Um, you know, as, as you guys will eventually hear my record, which will come out hopefully at the end of the year,、um, there, there are a lot of, we're really not following any true structure, primarily because there, if there's no, like, I don't mind following rules, but if there's like nothing set in stone, like, why? Pretend like there is, and、mm. why try and make something that's like X, Y, or Z if, like, there's no, you know what I mean? Like, I just, so instead, I just sat with my team and was like, let's just make a record that's true. And we'll, you know, and, and a lot of it's just sort of like, you know, catchy, fun stuff that I, that I'm just like proud of and not trying to be anything that I'm not. Yeah, having listened to it, it's kind of like EDM, except EDM with sophistication. You know, there's proper songwriting behind it, there's instruments behind it. Yeah, I mean, the, the singles that are out now, those are the, the, the most EDM ish of all of them. In、mm. fact, they're, and, and that's really just because they were the first two songs that I recorded, and, and, the, the, and they were with two, well, Kevin Rudolph produced Good Life, and Uh, but the drop was by this、um, DJ Vito Ashford. So, like, after putting out two records like that, I just I used to always record live instruments and stuff like that. So, I just I, I, I wanted to make the remainder of the record a little more organic, like,、um, you know, with as many real sounds as possible and stuff like that, just because, like, that's what I knew best. And, Could partake in best. So,、hmm. something else you said really gripped me, which was that you started making music because you had trouble expressing yourself and it gave you a much needed outlet. You know, I can relate、right. to that a lot. And I think a lot、It's、of people. It's also other... why I got tattoos. Yeah, okay. Really, yeah. That's cool. I think, you know, a lot of other musicians can relate to that too. So, talk about giving voice to unexpressed feelings. How important is that? I mean, I used to. I remember when I was in high school writing these, you know, pop songs that were much closer to, let's just say, a Backstreet Boys record than <laughs> something like Korn, whatever, let's just say, you know, and, and Korn was popular when I was in high school. And 
or, or amongst some of the kids. And I remember like studying the lyrics of those songs just to try and fit in. And then I would go home and 180 to like this, like Hanson and like different bands like that, that hmm. were just the exact opposite just because I didn't, I just didn't have the confidence to just be like, Oh, Hey guys, I'm all pop. And I don't love, I don't love like this heavy metal type of stuff. Like I like, but, but at least I was able to do that in private to start. And then once I gained more confidence in myself, I began releasing it, but it's very hard to like have a passion for something that's not accepted. That's why like I resonate with people who are, getting bullied or mm -hmm. being, you know, um, you know, like racism and all these different things that are just like these sort of like ignorant things that go on, um, with really no knowledge. It's just sort of like hate in a way. Um, and the same with like the way I, I was, I felt sort of like victimized to, to need to be part of like this, like not so much gothic or this like hard rock style or else it's you're not considered cool so it, i so that's so why I, i began memorizing corn lyrics and um you know and pretended to be like a fan hmm. um and then i actually became a fan of metallica because i mm -hmm. you know was just trying to find these other bands but there's i for me personally like i found a major difference between the two but It's hard, but but it's not everlasting, and it's not something that you can't get through. And and anybody that's sort of like going through a time where they are not being given the opportunity to have a place to express themselves in an open way, um, you know, I'm sorry that that's the scenario now, but they should know that it's not going to last forever. They will grow out of that fear. I believe. And, you know, they'll, you know, cause I, I just, I feel that. And for those that haven't, then, you know, I don't know, try because it's not worth, you know, living a lie for, for, for someone else or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're going to live a lie, at least do it for yourself. I'm just kidding. But like, <laughs> don't, don't like do it at least don't do it, do it for someone else. I don't know if that makes sense, but to me it did. So that's all that matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think it's good that you followed the trajectory you did because obviously, I mean, new metal is still around kind of, but it certainly got supplanted by a lot of the newer pop music that came along only a few years later. Right. So it, going, going down that road of pop music is, is kind of, good in a way or at least it gives you a bit of an advantage totally yeah and i was recently listening to backstreet boys it's funny that you mentioned that but like actually arrangement wise and songwriting wise there's a lot of good songs i'm not saying it's like the yeah. top, top notch in the world but compared to today's pop music it's like wow that's pretty good yeah it's like really organized well thought out and look i don't like I, a lot of people bash what's out right now and mm. i I don't like doing that just because like, what if that's what they truly can put out? I don't believe that. And it, I really don't believe anybody knows the formula. I don't. And, and that's, and that's why everyone's so surprised when they hear different artists or like the current hip hop scene 
right now is like kind of, you know, it's not, let's say my style, but like, that's what, that's the style of what they're putting out now. Cause that's what they do best. You know, it's not like they're like, they've got this songwriting broker that's telling them what's topping the charts, right? You've got like old town road at number one for the past, like, I don't know, 17 weeks. And then if you go down the top 100, like you'll see that it's just a variety of things. So I just think that music evolves and, and genres evolve and, and everyone should sort of like mind their own business and turn off the radio if they don't like it and put on a different station like this. You know what I mean? Like it's just, there's no point in, there's no point in, in, in dwelling on something that's never going to change. People are always going to put out what they feel is truest to themselves and nobody will ever know if it's truly truest to themselves unless they tell them. So, Mm. so you know what I mean? Like, so I just, I really like to welcome and accept all forms of music and, you know, decide if it's something that I like or not, but I don't, I really don't take part in the whole hate or joking of it because Mm. it's art one way or the other. That it is. And, you know, to your point, I think Google do- Google Dolls reached the height of their fame in the 90s. But I went and listened to one of their recent releases, and it was more along the lines of Lumineers and Mumford and Son- Sons and stuff like that. So right. It's exactly See? as you say. Is that an authentic right. expression of who they are? It absolutely could be. Right. Because they're alive right now, and music is evolving. And Mumford and Sons and, and Lumineers are, are on the charts and sort of like popping right now so why wouldn't why wouldn't they use that as a um guide to try and be inspired to write like does every it's funny because like now when you make a record that has like more than two vocal lines like oh it sounds like the lumineers okay (laughs) that's great for the lumineers because they obviously did something that tons of people loved and like i'm what a compliment to be to be like um you know uh identified as somebody who's able to like you know i think it's much better to 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 be told that you sound like something than not you know so i like to and this is like rare for me because i used when i was taking adderall and all racy all the time like i was never able to just have a normal wise conversation that actually makes sense. And that, that is, is productive and real. Like I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very pleased with, with myself at this time. And I'm glad. And, and I, and, and sometimes this, this comes off like random, but like I, I get reminded of how sick I used to be and how level headed I am now. And, and just being able to talk openly about not only my problems, but also the ways in which music evolved and stuff like that, I think is, is good. So I'm just currently uh, patting myself on the back on your podcast. <laughs> That's great. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. And yeah, honestly, these, I think these types of conversations are always a lot of fun. Now, in this kind of interview, it's always tempting for me to ask something generic along the lines of what are your top three tips for for songwriters but as someone who gets into the nooks and crannies where other interviewers don't get in i'm holding myself to a different standard i mean you could ask me you could ask me anything that you'd like anything like that that you think might be like offensive anything because (laughs) i just i just simply don't 
I'm very, very comfortable with um, just with who I've become. And, uh, you know, and I and I would love to share um, anything that 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 I could help contribute to this podcast because I appreciate you having me mm. and uh, feel free to just, you know, ask me anything um, without hesitation. I love it. Thanks, Judah. Basically, where I wanted to take it was instead of I wanted to ask, how do you create a connection to your audience with your music? Um, so that's like extremely hard, which I'm still really trying to do. Um, it, it's sort of like weird because like I don't really know how it's happening. I don't understand how my songs have both spent a hundred thousand times on Spotify. I don't get it. I don't get how people are like, okay, yeah, let's add it to the playlist. Um, so I don't go into writing. This may be selfish, but it's like writing is very personal and I can't go into it. I hear, I hear a lot of people talk about, I write with the intention of X, Y, Z. But for me, I literally write a song that I like mm -hmm. and, and hope for the best because it's just for me, it's fake the other way. Like I, I'm writing, I'm writing music that that naturally comes out of me, that is not rehearsed, and you know, and and I do that with the intention of knowing that people are gonna sometimes hate it or love it or in between, and I'm okay with all of that because I don't know how to do anything else besides write music and like maybe I could sell ice in Alaska. I'm a pretty good salesman, but. <laughs> Um, but like my writing, like how to, I just, it's, it's like the luck of the draw. I write music that I feel is a good representation of myself. And the cool part is, is that others feel the same way as I do. Cause they really like, they listen to it or they save it or they comment on YouTube or hit me up on Instagram. And, and it's like, it's so cool. It's so much better than, you know, just having like the, I don't know. It, 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 I, I, I am very happy like with the current state just because the number isn't what matters. It's that there are other people out there like me that, that get what I'm saying. And I measure if I could reach one person that, that vibes to my music, that one person literally messaged me that because of the situation that I went through, it helped them go through you know, their own situation like that. And that's like, there was no, I, I had no intention. I hope this is wrong to the audience, but like my intention is not necessarily to like do anything else besides write the music and hope for the best. And then when something like that actually works, it's just a super bonus. Yeah. So, so that's really like, so, 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 so that's really how I, you know, write and, um, and my intent behind my songs, it's really just to, to write what feels most true and, and hope for the best. Well, I'm looking at Spotify right now. It says you have 81,000 listeners. So you're doing something right. Yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. And this is something that came up before we started recording, but you mentioned a little bit about music business algorithms. So I'd love to talk more about that. Yeah, well, what we were talking about is how there are none. <laughs> right. And um, and 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 one of my one of the motivations behind um, 
me writing and putting out what feels truest to me is that, you know, like, un unlike Instagram, where they sort of like tell you what, where they sort of tell you what works or what won't work or what you should and shouldn't do, that's fact based because, it, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, they're companies that set these things in place. When you put out a record, it's like, there is no board of directors that the board of directors are the fans and, and, and it's up to them to decide if they like it or not. And just, if you look over the years, it, it has changed significantly so much so that, that it's clear that not one specific style or genre is right. So mm -hmm. I think that it's important to, 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 to write music, um, that makes you feel proudest and most accomplished and, and to not try and write something for the sole purpose of hoping that it's a hit right now, because I remember when Ho Hey came out, like there were no other songs that sounded like that. And that's why it was probably a hit because it was great and it was different. And you were in this time with like, Katy Perry drops and like Usher and stuff like that. And then you just get slammed with this kick clap acoustic driven record with like 80 lead vocals saying, Oh, Hey, and it's like, this is great too, you know? So yeah, like basically my magic formula for people has been set up your website, set up your social media platforms, get your email list going and then stay consistent. And people are like, that's it. I'm like, okay, do you understand how hard it is to stay consistent? Come out right. with a new new single every month, come out with a new album every six months or EP or something like that. Keep booking shows. You just gotta keep doing it. If this is something that you're serious about. Totally. Now it looks like you're in the process of releasing new music and maybe making the rounds with podcasts and other media right now. What else is on the radar? What's next for you? Um, right now I'm, I'm just doing a lot of press for, uh, my different, uh, my two singles that are out and what, and, um, I'm going to be releasing about, uh, three other singles in the coming months, um, all culminating to my, uh, album release at the end of the year. Mm, fantastic. That's exciting. Yeah. It's super exciting. And I'm excited to share with everyone, you know, what this sort of like sober year has has allowed me to do and i imagine most of the album is already done and you have it preloaded and ready to go it's it's all recorded and it's um currently in the mixing stages excellent so we're all done recording and you know now it's like a lot of press and travel and stuff like that this is a question I like to ask most guests. Are there any books or resources that have helped you on your journey? Um, I, I truly am not a, a person that sits and reads books. And the reason mm -hmm. is because like, I never was able to sit still and read a book. However, uh, one book uh, called Falling Up, which is a book about poems by a guy named Shel Silverstein, is something that um, 
that I used to read, um, which I think might have helped me with some of my lyrical content. Mm. Um, I would say like just that. I really am not a huge book reader. I'm more of a li- uh, of like a, a listener and a a person that like learns through hearing rather than reading. Got it. Well, thank you so much for your time and generosity, Judah. Is there anything else I should have asked? I mean, I think that this was a pretty great uh, interview. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it was fun and I appreciate you having me. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to link up sometime in the future. It was a pleasure. Yeah. And I look forward to connecting again. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to want to go and check out the Music Entrepreneur Code. I haven't shared any details on what this is just yet, but it's fair to say I'm quite excited about what's coming together. So if you want to join the waiting list and find out what the Music Entrepreneur Code is, go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash code. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.